We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast on Thursday, January 30th. We are brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Charlie Johnson in studio with me today. We are going to talk about how this team is 15 and 32, which means they're on pace, Charlie, to win 26 games, 10 fewer than last season, which is kind of a dumpster fire in its own right. And 21 games fewer. I relooked that up. They won 47 games with Jimmy Butler making the eighth seed. And 10 fewer than than Vegas. Was it 36 and a half that Vegas? 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So just um, that's safe to say they're not meeting expectations. 30, what, like 33% fewer wins than Vegas expected. Yep. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, But I think think it's worth us digging into why, you know. There's so much been put out in the, oh, they're prioritizing the system over the personnel. Um, but what does that mean? You know, and I think I started getting into that a little bit last week with Brit, but I think it, it that that's just worth talking through of like, this is bigger than, oh, they shoot the third and most threes and they make the second, they have the yeah. second worst three point percentage in the league. It's bigger than that. Because if it was just that, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be. On pace to win 26 games. Yeah. There's more to it. So, I mean, that's that's a, a big part of the offensive side of the ball. So, I think let's dig into it. Let's dig into why I was on the over. I thought, like, oh, Carl Anthony Towns going to be shooting 10 threes a game. Like, mm-hmm. I, my projection was 37. That looks stupid because I didn't think this would be such an, like, an active so actively hurting what they're trying yeah. you know, to to produce. Well, and I don't think that even if you could have predicted and maybe in hindsight we should have predicted that it would more actively hurt their chances of winning on a day-to-day basis. But even if you could, I don't think you'd look back and say they're going to be on a 25 win pace. They're going to have two 10 two stretches double of double yeah. digit losses like th- bad teams do that. Not just teams that are flawed. Bad teams lose 11 games in a row. Yeah, I just it was randomly because I just haven't had the chance to watch a lot of Zion, you know, since he came and I, I was they're playing the Cavs. But I was like, whatever, you know, I want to watch Zion play. And I just found myself thinking about the Cavs and just breakdowns, inconsistent effort. And I was like, Man, this looks like the Timberwolves, you know? And and I would have going into the season, I don't know what Vegas had them at, but Vegas probably had the Cavs around like twenty six wins yeah. or whatever. Like the like they're going to actually win, and what the like the wolves are on pace to actually win, and it's they've really, yeah, they've really just regressed into being that type of team that even if they aren't quote unquote rebuilding, they're performing at the level of of a rebuilding team. I mean, the wolves have Carl Anthony Towns, the Cavs have Kevin Love, and then after that, it's just kind of a mix of like old veterans yeah. and. 
young players who are finding their way. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it it seems like a lot of it is about expectations, and we've been over this before. But to say that the Timberwolves are or are not rebuilding is kind of just like branding. It's mm-hmm. kind of just some subjective term because in a lot of ways going into the season, Garrison Rosa said, we're going to, you know, keep financial flexibility for moving forward. We're going to focus on the young players. You know, we're not going to, he said with you on the radio the other night, we're not going to chase wins. I mean, so how is that not rebuilding? Mm-hmm. And on some level he did set that expectation, but irregardless the way, or regardless, whatever. No, that's a bad one. Anyway, <laughs> it's played out just, yeah. I think, worse than anyone could have expected. But it's interesting to me that he did kind of lay, set the expectation that even if he didn't say rebuilding, everything he described was what a rebuilding team would do. Right. And uh, the thing I wrote on Wednesday was was acknowledging that and, and thinking that that's you know, kind of fine. I have to go back to media day. We were there you know, sitting and... When Rosas was talked about, asked about expectations, he said, you know, that the season would be measured by growth and, you know, developing within the, the construct of this, you know, this system. And, and Ryan said something along those lines similarly. But then when Cat got on the stage and he was asked how he's going to measure the season, he said wins and losses. Yeah. So there's this like tension in this, this contrast between those. I hadn't those thought of that things. until you laid that out. I thought that was a really good point because there was also a lot of like, everyone's on the same page and you know maybe both those things can be true like maybe that's just what cat would say when he gets up there but he could get up there and say like right it would be weird if he said oh we're just trying to develop within the system i know and i'm trying to think about that though like how weird would it be what if he would have just gotten up there and said like look this isn't a year that we're gonna win a championship that's yeah i mean he could like who's gonna fault him for that like i don't i'm trying to think of how he could have said it in a way that would probably is a way to have yeah differently but but i mean he came out hard. Yeah. And then, you know, and then game one in Brooklyn, he he says to us who are there, he was like, y'all thought this was a joke. Bahamas wasn't a joke. And, you know, I mean, he's he's pushing there. And then Kendrick Perkins says, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping on the wolves. Yeah. And then the wolves go three, and oh, and, and cat snaps back and I'm at Twitter. And as you know, as is kind of like, (laughs) I'm not that the Social media is like a representation of the what the organization feels, but you know they're tweeting out that thing, which now is like turned into a meme. Like, the, I thought the Timberwolves are going to be bad, and it's a face of cat like GIF, yeah. and now everybody like you know is quote tweeting that and like ripping you know ripping on it because the reality of the situation is once Cat snapped back at Perkins when the Wolves were three and zero. What's transpired since is the Wolves are twelve and thirty two. Yeah, and in the last fourteen games that Carl Anthony Towns has played in, they've lost every single one of those. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And and it's a it's a <laughs> if we're using his own standard that he laid out of wins and losses, like it's an indictment of, yeah. of of what you know of what his belief was of the team. But this ties back into like they're they're playing a style of play that forces them to play with one arm behind their back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was go- started going through like some of, some of these. Stuff. Okay, so this is Ryan Chase. Frederick asked Ryan at practice the day after the Kings game, what is he, what, what is, what is this team's identity? Mm-hmm. And, and Ryan said, I know what our team wants our identity to be. That's a team that plays fast. We want to be a team that takes high value shots at the rim and gets to the foul line and shoots threes. And we want to defend with intelligent aggression. Okay. So half, half and half. Maybe. We're doing most of those things on the offensive end. Right. But let's go through those. Yep. So. They shoot threes, like we said. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're, they're third in, you know, per possession, vol- third in the league in volume of, of three-point attempts. Nobody, nobody in the league takes more spot-up attempts than the Wolves. Uh, in catch-and-shoot threes, they, they lead the league in catch-and-shoot three-point attempts. Great. But they're, they're 29th in catch-and-shoot three-point field goal percentage. In, in spot-up efficiency, they're 25th in the league yep. in, in, in efficiency. They're... they're actively awful at the at those shots mm-hmm. now playing fast right that's kind of slowed down some but every single time when ryan talks about what isn't what you know what they need to get back to doing he always says we got to play faster we got to play faster well the wolves are 30th in the league which is last in transition efficiency this season so i mean there are other measures of pace that would have them higher than that they're playing faster than they were last year 
No, no, no. I'm saying they're playing fast. Oh. I'm talking about efficiency. Oh, got they're it. Got it. Yeah, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, efficiency. Sorry, sorry. In transition, they're averaging 1.03 points per Wolf. possession yeah. yep. in, in transition, and that's the worst yep. in the NBA. Yep. So those are the two things that they want to shape their identity around that they're actively comparatively poor at compared to the rest of the league, right? Yep. That doesn't mean that's those are necessary. That's a bad construct of this team. Those are catch and shoot threes, particularly from the corners, which they get a lot of too. Mm-hmm. Like that's efficient mm-hmm. in a vacuum. You know, like big picture, that's good offense to drop playing fast leads to you know to good looks. They're just bad at it. Yep. This roster. Yep. Is is bad at it. So and it, this roster is bad. Period. There's not yep. much that this roster would be good at. True. To be fair. True. Yeah. And of those things that Ryan lays out, the only thing you can say they're good at is getting to the foul line. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, that, that's like their that's like their small win in that identity yeah. he lays out. But it is why Ryan, if I can write down these numbers on my little notebook here, their their whole analytics staff is just as aware of that. Yeah, they're not just like, well, fifty games we've got unlucky. Yeah, no, they know. They're not good at shooting threes. Yep. They know they're not efficient playing fast. Yep. They also believe that they, the next good Timberwolves team plays that way. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't think that if this was a Ryan Saunders podcast, I would be very favorable to him. But to be fair to him, he doesn't say we're a team that makes a lot of threes and Mm -hmm. makes transition opportunities. We play fast and we shoot threes. And that's what they're doing. And that's because of that expectation they set at the beginning of the year that this is going to be about implementing a system Mm -hmm. that, like you said, the next good Timberwolves team can embrace. Tons of flaws with that. And clearly... It's not it's it's not working and it's having in, in not working in an immediate yeah basis. it's having more of a negative impact in the short term than I think anyone would have anticipated but I, it also gets back to what you led the podcast off with which is the idea that <laughs> take all that away they shouldn't be this bad and most of that is because they have Carl Anthony Towns because outside of Carl Anthony Towns and Robert Covington this roster is really really bad so how okay. So how bad should they be? I think this is the question. Yeah. How bad should they be given that they are playing with one arm behind their back? And I think that the subsequent subsequent question is what is causing the difference between how bad they should be and how bad they really are? And if, you know, I think they, I think I said before the season right under the 36 and a half be like a, or 35 and a half to be a 35 one team. You said 37. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's no sure. difference there. Like that's the same. So let's say that's about how good they should be, but they're on pace to be a 25 one team. Yeah. So what is, what's making up that eight, nine, and I think that if the reason that people like you and me would have held on to the belief that they should be about a 35-win team because of Cat, then if you're going to look at the reasons they're not a 35-win team, I think they have to center around Cat. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can be a number of things. He missed a lot of time. 17, yep. He missed 17 games, and this team is schematically and logistically built around him. Totally. So for him to be taken out and then reintegrated, I can imagine the problems there. But also, it should be... You don't got to imagine. <laughs> yeah, we've seen him. <laughs> Thanks. But also, like, blame should be laid at his feet. Like, yep. where w- this is the absence of leadership if the team is going to be this bad. The absence of leadership is not talking after you blow a 27-point lead to mm-hmm. the Sacramento Kings. And, like, the absence of... Talking to the media, he, he left. Left after after that game, after the yeah. game before the before speak before he could have spoken to the media. Which to just to, to highlight, just because I'm there, that's yeah, yeah, never I'm, happened I'm before. That's never happened before. He is. Um, I mean, th- there was a whole another losing streak that he was a part of, and he talked to us every single game afterwards. And and you know, I cat throws out his cliches and all that, mm-hmm. but like he does, he he talks to us, and he's never been like rude. Yeah, no. And but then the Sacramento game he doesn't talk and then the next day at practice, I don't know if people have seen, you know, video of that, it was the shortest he's ever been and was clearly perturbed, bordering on rude, I would say. And yeah, like like who are you mad at? <laughs> and well, and I mean, I, I don't think he, he's not mad at the media. He's just mad in general. No, but yeah. He's mad that his that what he thought this team was going to be He's not coming to fruition. I think he's embarrassed that the 12 and 32 after he snapped the Kendrick. Parents. I think he's I embarrassed be- too. And that's another, 
another nod to absence of leadership because should you have been, you know, spouting on Twitter that you're going to make the playoffs when you're three and zero or when you're 10 and eight or whatever it is, should you be setting those expectations when <laughs> maybe he just truly, truly believed it, but he had to have known there's a chance that they don't make the playoffs. And I mean, should you be doing that when you're, you're certainly a borderline team? Mm-hmm. Is that a bad idea? Probably. Yeah. And I mean, I guess... That's either bad judgment, immaturity, or just belief. And uh, I mean, and does it doesn't matter as like, it relates to leadership, though. What, what yeah. the reason is? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think the things that we can more specifically parse through are you mentioned the seventeen games missed. If that doesn't happen, I mean, they're winning more games. It gets closer to that thirty-five pace. I think so too. Um, even though he has been actively awful at defense. Yeah. And I mean. That is, I mean, that's just the most egregious indictment on him is that since Thanksgiving, the the defense is 17.8 points worse per 100 possessions with Cat on the floor than when he's been off. That's incredible. It, it, I mean, and if people who aren't familiar with that, I mean, that is an, an incredible disparity, which, as we've talked about before, when something's incredible like that, it there's... Probably some noise involved. Well, like missing 12 games. That missing 12 games where they happen to be playing well, which in part had to do with him not being there, but yeah. weaker schedule, a whole bunch of different things. I don't think that metric is like a tattoo of like yeah. who and what he is defensively. It's still since Thanksgiving. Totally. And that is inherently you know, an indictment. And what I've moved to and what I was talking about with Britt last time is it has me questioning just as much as I'm questioning the offensive system, this defensive system, because I believe the offensive system, once you have the proper personnel around Cat, that will work. That will work. They are taking the right shots. They are do not have shot makers. Defensively, I do not know if this scheme will work once they have better defensive personnel around him, because the way they defend is so contingent on Carl Anthony Towns, period. Mm-hmm. That is that is a that is a fact. The way the way they ask him to defend ball screens, the way they ask him to defend the rim outside of ball screen situations, it is he is imperative to defensive success within this scheme. Now. Pushback would be a lot of systems. Most systems are have a heavy burden on the center. Mm-hmm. But there are schemes that have less of a burden. There are, there are ways to take that burden off of him, not play him in, in those spots. Mm-hmm. So I am questioning how this will work next year or two years down the road once you have all the defensive personnel you could dream of around him, does it still crater given that he is the most important person in the scheme at the five position? That is a big question. Yeah, totally. And you don't need to latch on 17 points per game this season as the difference in the defensive rating when he's on Versailles because we know it's been every year it's been better with him off. The, mm-hmm. the only time it was better with him on was those first 18 games of the year. But I'm curious of this year, which... 18 games, it's not much. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if when you think about that conundrum, whether you tend to come back to change the scheme to one that uh, puts less of the onus on Carl Anthony Towns or, like we've talked about a lot of times, change Carl Anthony Towns' position for all intents and purposes. Don't don't have him be the center. I would consider, me, I would consider both of those things. And what I would do if I was the coach is I'd try. Mm -hmm. I'd try different things. To, to see, you know, I mean, there's not a lot to play for for the rest of the season, but there is 35 games left to gather information. I would use that time to gather information. I don't think they will. I think they do. I, I know they do. They believe in this. They mm-hmm. believe this is the best way to use Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns, clearly. Mm-hmm. But that's questionable. That is just a fact. That's questionable. It might work. I might be wrong. Yep. But well, I think I just I don't think. If this is wrong, if it is wrong, that's dangerous. And even if it is the best way to play him, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. It could be his his 
best way to be deployed on the defensive end, and it could still be awful. And, I mean, around the league, forever, there's been players who are great offensive players and never get up to defensive competency. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, and they just often play a different position than center, so it's maybe not as felt. Yep. I just think this will be something we continue to feel forever. Yep. And if that's true, you got to start thinking about contingency plans. You got to, or, or maybe you just. What are contingency plans? Contingency plans. I mean, I I think, I think it would be, it would be trying someone else in the five role. Yep. And, and having him and having him play the role that Robert Covington does, which is, which is less, you know, around the room. And maybe he would be even worse at that. He probably wouldn't be very good at it. Maybe. but that doesn't mean it wouldn't I mean, be better we, for the all team. We, all we have yeah. there, though, is our is our subjective guesses of how it would work. Agreed. Because we've never seen it. Yeah. And I just know that we've seen this because he played. He functioned in it. It's this is this is this year has the most impetus on him. But there's been other seasons where he's functioned in a similar role. And as you said, as we've said a million times, it's never been good. It's never been good there. I don't know. This just to commit to this defensively seems like a massive bet on maturity and mental growth for Carl Anthony Towns because, which could happen, but I don't know. That's a gamble. To me, that's a gamble. And and on some level, this whole franchise, where they're at right now, is in this holding pattern where they're betting on maturity and improvement from Carl Anthony Towns. They're also betting on a better roster around him and cap flexibility to make that happen. But they're, they're like, that's what they're, if this Timberwolves team is going to be not even a championship contender, but call it like mm-hmm. a consistent top six seed in the playoffs, they're betting on huge improvements from Carl Anthony Towns. So on some level, I can see how you could rationalize like, well, either he's going to get better at it or yeah, not. And, right. you know, we could make and it. We, we, and we should say that other teams page, are taking but, are betting on similar things. Yeah. I think about Philadelphia and Joel Embiid, like Joel Embiid is, is better. But but for, for the Sixers to win a championship built around Joel Embiid, I mean, they are betting on him taking another step forward mm-hmm. to consistency you know, to, you know, mental engagement, a bet on his health, you even, know, even being able to stay on the court in the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not something we've seen from cat cause he's played five playoff games, mm-hmm. but it's something Joel Embiid has struggled with against certain opponents because of his size. So it, it there, there is a going to be an, a gamble no matter what. I just can't not sit here when the team's 15 and 32 and my mind just naturally wanders to trying other things. Yeah. And we haven't seen other things, particularly on the on the defensive end. And, and most of this is comes from the notion that I'm like, I think they're going to be cool offensively. Mm-hmm. Like I think the next you, next year, couple, I think they're going to get there. Yeah. I don't know about the defensive end, and as as Gerson Rosas said at his first press conference, you know, to be a playoff team or to be a good team, you got to be top ten in offense and on defense. Yeah. And I don't know before. Before this season, I put that on Carl Anthony Towns. And I said, we've said, you got to get up into like the 40th percentile of defensive centers. Mm -hmm. But that was like more individually focused. I'm watching this and the way he's being used. And I now think it's two pence. It's him getting there and it's the team effectively using him. They're smarter than me about all that stuff. Yeah. X is I'm not a coach, you know. But I, I don't know. I think it's really risky to just say, we started with this plan on October 22nd, and this is our plan no matter what. Yeah. I agree that some of the impetus has to be on the coaches and other leadership. And I think that that's something that can oftentimes be under-discussed, like mm-hmm. when a player is harmful for their team, that it's not just their fault, mm-hmm. that it's the way they're being deployed and the, the personnel that's around them, the personnel that's Both. around them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I also think that with Carl Anthony Towns, the way that he goofs up his gaffes on defense are so, mm-hmm. they're so annoying and they're so harmful and they're so blatant. And they're like, that's where the seventeen eight comes from. 
That's yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's like, how many times do we have to see the same four or five mistakes over pursuing blocks, gold? Like it's the same stuff. And how many times do we have to see it? And flailing when you don't get a follow call, so you're late in transition. Like how many times do we have to see the same five things before you just go like, okay, like in what system does he not do those things? And and that's what I mean. So I think then, then a lot of it is on him. Yeah, because growth for Carl Anthony Towns requires him acknowledging what he's done wrong. And just as a human, that's hard to do. Totally. You know, to say, this is what I'm bad at. I need to improve at it. Oh, that requires hard. maturity. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe that will come. But to me, that's how this team gets good. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, and it's a, a massive commitment from Carl Anthony Towns to improving the few things he's bad at. I remember writing before the season... Allow me to pump my own tires for a second. Here. <laughs> I remember writing before the season when it was kind of like, what you know, what's going to drive the Timberwolves toward like more success than Vegas imagines? And there's a lot of like, you know, some of these borderline bad three point shooters become good three point shooters. Think like Jake Lehman and Noah Vonley mm-hmm. and Jarek Culver and Josh Okogie. There's also like Andrew Wiggins pops off and becomes you know an all star or even just like a, a consistently productive player. I kept just coming back to in my mind, like, look, this team, it's defense. Like, it's always going to be defense. And when their defense gets better, that's going to help their offense. I mean, I think so. Well, and it's just That's just not going to change. It's pretty easy to see in the, the, the frame of, like, one basketball game. When the defense is rolling, like, they get out and they play better offense. Totally. Those two things connect, mm-hmm. particularly when Cat is out there. And maybe that, I don't know, maybe that doesn't totally show up in like rating numbers, but like yeah, as yeah. far as aesthetically, aesthetically, yeah. it's like the vibe it's, it's, a, it's, there's this, okay, this is working, yep. you know, and a, it kind of fosters a belief. Yeah. And I mean, just mathematically NBA teams score more efficiently after misses than makes. Right. So <laughs> that's, yeah. so you're, you're already, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By being a team that gives up one of the most makes. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're cutting your, your offense down. Yep. Yeah, you just are. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I It's going to be hard if the next 35 games are more of this, you know, where there'll probably be some growth just from time and reps. But I think, I think it will be increasingly frustrating to watching the same thing over and over again. Now, does that make it the wrong move? To put in the blueprint in the first place, I don't know. I mean, I again, like I said, I kind of believe in the blueprint, but going so all in on it, making it so black and so white. Yeah, but then it just gets back to the: is the blueprint the really the reason that they're at a twenty-five win pace instead of thirty-five? Is it the blueprint? Like, would they be at a thirty-five win pace if they were posting cat up all the time and like playing cat and Gorgie a ton of minutes? I mean, with all the time he's not, missed I mean, and like all the injuries, I don't know. I think and it's just like his, a commitment to a different identity. Sure, like a ma- an identity that maximizes them. I don't know exactly yeah. what that is. Is it? But my thought process is more of like, is it that absence of a leadership and pecking order and capable vets? I don't even know what the right way to explain it is. Like, is that more harmful to this team, or is playing the system more harmful to this team? Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's, and like anything, it's probably both. But yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I, I do believe it's probably just both. I do believe the system is. No, I agree with that. A- actively hurtful, and I, I, I tweeted this out. I watched the the Grizzlies beat the Nuggets the the other night, and I mean, it's it's pretty natural to you know make some comparisons between Minnesota and Memphis, and you know young youngish teams, you know, f- clearly implementing a new identity this season, and and, and you look at that that Memphis team and yeah, it's John Morant and Jaron Jackson, but they're also playing Jonas Valanciunas a bunch. And he's a big part of their offense. Jay Crowder is a big part of that, you know, that team's identity. And they let, they let the roster more dictate how they're going to play this year. And their, their development was seemingly being measured by, by creating an identity, not a style of play. Sure. Yep. And it, no, it's easy to cherry pick now, and you're like, oh, well, Memphis is like 500, and then the A seed, and the Wolves are like the K 
Cavs of the West. What Memphis was supposed to be. Exactly. So I, I think, you know, with a system that better fit this roster's identity, they win more games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's possible. I, I think they very well could have gotten to that, that 35 win yeah. total, particularly if Cat doesn't miss 17 games. Well, yeah. That doesn't make it the right move, though. Like, you can still argue, as the front office would if they were sitting here, that we are concerned about being good in 2020 or 2021. Yep. And playing this way will make us better then. Yeah. And they would maybe say, looking at Memphis, they go, well, if they committed more to X, Y, and Z, then they would be better in 2021. That's probably true. But it ignores other factors of, like, competition. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how valuable that is one way or the other. I just can't help but draw, you know, parallels to the 76ers in the, their, their process, where that was smart. Every move in a vacuum was logical and maximizing for the future. Mm-hmm. And it got them to a place, what the place that they are today, you know, largely. They, but, but at the end of the day, Sam Hinkie and Sasha Gupta yeah. got, got fired, not because what they were doing was <clears throat> illogical, but because it didn't, you know, it didn't resonate with the fan base outside of like the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast yeah. and, and, the, and their followers. Like it, it, it worked, but it didn't because it's so blatantly worked against competition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, that t- to me, it's just like a, a natural, you know, connection to draw. Yeah. And I think that I, I thought you laid this out well in the mailbag that you did the other day. Um, and I don't even know if this would have been possible, but to what you're saying, I think that there, and this isn't even, I don't even know that this wasn't like a really big priority of the front office, but it just seems like there could have been more of an impetus on that. Yes, we need to implement the system because it's going to help us in the long term, but we also need to be conscious of the fact that we can't hit too low of a floor, mm-hmm. both because we have a fan base that's been through. 14 or 30 years of hell. (laughs) And we have a guy on our team who not only is extremely talented, but also has an emotional streak to him. And that guy is like good. And what's the point of, you know, let's try to win 35 instead of 25 while he's here. You know, like there could have been a little bit more of that because there's both the fan base and that player that they have to cater to. Yeah. Like if those things weren't like as hot. Yeah. Then maybe this made more sense. And then maybe this would be like, okay, they've lost a lot of games. Like, mm-hmm. we kind of expected this. Right, right. And, you know, maybe if we are pointing at things that the front office did, you know, not accurately diagnose, it was the temperature of those things. Yep. You know, the thinking, well, it's year one of Cat's five-year contract, like, whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. And then that, w- that would have made sense to think that. And then also, I think if you're Rosas, you're Gupta, you're the rest of the, the front office, you know, coming in, how would you know that this fan base is this uniquely scarred? I think they would they would just think, you know, winning is going to make a lot of that better. Yeah. But I think that's, I, I mean, I, I think that's a factor. I can see that actually that you just think like, well, it's been bad for so long. Like, we'll just explain like one more year of bad and then we're going to get good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like fine and nice in theory, but I also think it's like a little bit naive. If you're a general manager in the NBA or a EVP of basketball operations or whatever yeah. Gupta was, um, how do you not look around like you, your, your life is the NBA, you know, how bad, not only how bad the Timberwolves have been, but like how actively annoying they've been to a fan base just by series of mistakes and (laughs) annoying hires and whatever it is, how they should have been able to look back and say, wow, this team has been really bad since its existence. They made the semifinals one year. One year, one time. And man, they love the guy who got them there. But every other year has been 
not only just like an underperformance, but like actively, it almost feels like at times, like there's like spite from the organization of the Mm -hmm. fan base. Like they've just made so many mistakes. I think that there probably should have been more perspective from this front office that like, this is a scarred fan base for good reason. And we need to keep that in mind. Maybe, I mean, it, that seems to be now that we have hindsight of 50 games into the season and we know where, you know, where ticket sales are mm-hmm. and we know where the, in the engagement level is with the fan base that, you know, maybe they would with that hindsight look back and maybe that would shift the calculus. And I don't know. It's not even the thing about it is looking back and saying, oh, it doesn't, you don't even have to go crazy and like jeopardize your flexibility or anything like that. It's like you pointed out why Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley, like why not a wing that can help you win or something like that. Like, yeah. There, there was more they could have done to, to, Keep that flexibility, implement the system, but have a little bit more immediate, capable talent. They got a lot of guys that they hoped that, you know, one or two of them would stick around. Like mm-hmm. maybe Jake Lehman and Shabazz Napier stick out of the like six yeah. close to minimum people they they signed. Like you could have taken a different path that got you a little bit more help in the short term and still, you know, yeah. held up the pillars. And, that you and, and it's what we I mean, it's what we've said all year. We don't have that much stuff personnel wise to assess Rosa's on. Yep. Big things we do, big quote unquote, are the the trade up for Culver, mm-hmm. which t- t- is going to remain undefined or you can't totally grade mm-hmm. because it's it hasn't all the way played out. But I mean, you can't say that's been like a a win, a win no for way. sure. Like no, like you can, can't say it's been a loss either. But no way you can say it's been right. A win. And but my 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 point is going to end up being that I don't think you can say that. It, any of these moves have really proven to be like win, win, like wins, because then you look at the the meek financial free agent moves that they made, given you know the lack of flexibility they had. But but you know I, I'm sitting there every single game at the when we're, when you're sitting there watching a game and they have the, the screen up in front of you where it's got the starters and it's got the bench and then it's got the the three players who are DNPs and every game I look at it and I go huh. The three DNPs are all centers. <laughs> why? Why? Like, why are they on the team? I I t- couldn't agree more. And, and you know, I mean, you know how I feel about Noah Vonley. Like, I think Noah Vonley is a rotation player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I I think I don't. I'm Jordan Bell is like I guess you know he like belongs on a team. I'm into Nas Reed. It's like they're all independently in, interesting pieces in their mm-hmm. own like minimum salary sort of way. But those are all over. That's why you can have three of them on one team because a lot of teams have interesting big men. It's just, and, and I know, and and this, this requires context too, is there, weren't, there wasn't a lot of other options that they could go out and sign guys for because uh, this is, I remember going through the every single free agent of, of last summer and looking at it. And I mean, almost every player that was signed was to a multi-year deal. Yep, and more than more than really expected. And and for for more money than the two million that Vonley got, the like minimum yep. that Bell got, and you know the the minimum that Trevion Graham and yeah. Napier. I mean, so it would have been it would have impacted their books a lot for the future if they would have gone and got an Alfred Payton or you know something yep. like that, who would have been more money, more years. Yep. So they drew the line in the sand, which I understand one year deals, right? And along those lines, what they found was Shabazz Napier, Trevion Graham, Noah Vonley, and Jordan Bell. Now, those bigs, it's just like, why didn't you just go get a different minimum guy? Like there, there are there are the multi like the multi level guys, but there's a whole bunch of dudes who who have a different skill set that are G leaguers who are playing over. There's guys they could have signed for the minimum who might not be in, like literally might not be in the NBA right now, but have a don't play center. Would they have even had to be the minimum? Could you have taken one of those guys who signed a minimum and say, hey, we'll give you a part of this mid-level exception that yep. we ended up not using and pay you more than you're going to pay, mm-hmm. and you'll play more with us, and you'll provide more value, and then next year you'll get a better deal? So what I always think when something doesn't make any sense like this, granted, if we trust that these people are smart running it, which we do, is that something happened where they expected a, a different move along the way to come to fruition that didn't that didn't happen. If it doesn't make sense, we probably don't have all the details. And I think that's what had to have happened. 
here with the way they well D'Angelo Russell is the obvious thing like we D'Angelo ne- Russell but you can go Darius Garland yep. you can go some other sort of they had someone else at the mid level that you know we don't even know and it, it it just didn't come to fruition and they're just like oh we missed on we missed on D'Angelo Russell we missed on Darius Garland well, and, we missed yep. on player X at the mid level and now we're just kind of here yep. and then and then we tried to like rescramble that again and and make another sort of deal and that didn't come to I just think other things have transpired or didn't transpire that left them with this really funky roster that has three centers who cannot play given this construct that they've put together for the type of players who can play. Yeah. And not only, I think that's understandable both because what do you think? It's like easy to come in and take over an NBA team and improve Mm -hmm. it in one off season. And also because this is the Minnesota Timberwolves, it's, it's not a destination and they were financially strapped, but that's a trend and something to monitor. If there is consistently expectation of one thing happening and it not happening and you having to adjust, I, part of that is like life, but some of these are like more tangible. Like D'Angelo Russell's going to sign with us. Like Darius Garland's going to be available when we move up to mm-hmm. five. Like some of these things are a little bit more predictable than just like, oh, well, like we got spurned. Right. And I, I, so that's just something yeah. to monitor. It's yeah. just like not something we kn- I know about. I don't have details on any yeah. of this. This is all speculation. But if it's something that continues, then it's concerning. Right. I think. I think. I think that's that's the thing. We can't just like put a stamp on it. This was stupid. Yeah. No. Well, the stamp we can put on it is it's not working. It mm-hmm. hasn't worked or hasn't worked yet. And then when it just when the logic just doesn't mesh up, what I've learned in in this and the few contacts I have is you go. You know, after the fact, you find out, oh, some that was gonna happen. that that was supposed to happen, or or this thing I didn't even know got in the way of that. You know, it's just I, again in Minnesota, we've been classically conditioned to just be like, oh, when when something that doesn't you know doesn't work, it's because the per- person making the decision made a stupid decision. Yeah, but but when you zoom out and you look at the league at the whole as a whole, that. That isn't normally how it goes. Mm-mm. It isn't just all bad decisions were stupid when they were initially made. Yeah. There's just, I mean, it's, it's things change. Things change. Yeah. There's just, there's just all these behind the curtain details and minutiae that I guess it just comes down to, you know, what's your level of faith yeah. in, in Rosas and those guys and whatever your quotient is for that, you know, impacts how much you believe, you know, like, there's believe yeah. in what they're doing. There's so much ammo for either side of any argument. I and mean, we've laid it out. Like you could take everything we've said and just make it a damning indictment of everything that's been done. Mm-hmm. You could also spin it to say, like, this is a process. This is your one of a process. So it's like and then what, I it's, get it. It's, it's, it's the middle. It's probably the middle, yeah. right? Well, yeah, that's exactly. Just, that's just and probably de- what depending happened. on what you believe, you're just gonna latch onto those things. I just just stuff to monitor. I mean, thinking of inside information, not that I have any. <laughs> Do you think this most recent string of 11 losses changes how they approach the trade deadline? I think the trade deadline and given this group will be determined by the market. Yep. Which is a boring answer. But I don't they they're not going to act illogically in the name of grabbing more wins for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, I almost meant the opposite. Do yeah. you think they kind of had, and not to just like get like, oh, we're going to make a playoff push, but like bring in something that can stabilize the ship, and now it's just kind of like, well, what's the point? Uh, that's a that's an interesting thing. I mean, yeah, it probably will be that. I mean, I, I think, well, okay. What What can happen? Like what can happen is, Robert Covington can be traded. Mm-hmm. Robert Covington can basically be traded for two different things. Draft picks and maybe a young player there. Draft pick, young player, or for D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. Or somebody that's like D'Angelo Russell yeah. that I don't know who that is. Or Robert Covington cannot be traded. And they wait until the summer to pursue that or next deadline or just, he never, he just never is traded. There, there's that. That's like level one. Below that is... Making margin moves, mm-hmm. um, which would be taking the salaries of those centers that don't play and attaching one of your assets. They have all their own first. They have all their own seconds. Clipping a, 
a second round pick on to Noah Vonley for a, a player that plays a different position who maybe better aligns with Carl. I'm just going to say Carl. I don't even say Carl Wiggins anymore. I don't even know. But just that. I mean, I think those are those are the two yeah. options for, for the deadline. Uh, the Andrew Wiggins one would be really surprise me more. Yeah. I guess that's the third bubble you that's can start thinking about. Say. But really, it, I, I the know most why, likely yeah. is bubble two. The I, most likely is yeah. bubble two. And I know why you don't bring up Andrew Wiggins just because of like looking at what's likely based on everything that you've mm-hmm. seen and know and what makes sense based on his salary and the amount of years left on his contract. But I wish that the, <laughs> I, I wish they'd pursue it because we talk a lot about you know leadership and having a pecking order and the faults of Carl Anthony Towns that can kind of that seem to be contagious on some level and Andrew Wiggins's evident apathy seems to magnify that mm-hmm. i just i just i wish they would have pursued that long ago i wish it was something that was and maybe it is maybe they're making calls every day it's just impossible mm-hmm. but I'm, that doesn't seem to be true so I'll tie this to Towns. How, how do we measure leadership? I think at the end of the, the day, leadership is measured by raising up the people around you. Mm-hmm. And in basketball sense, that's raising up your teammates. Most, most impactful leadership would be raising up the best players on the team around you. What I feel pretty confident saying is Carl Anthony Towns has never raised up Andrew Wiggins. Or, or mm. only slightly so. Sure. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is better when Cat's playing. But I, but but like, but in a way that it's, it's just because of the spacing. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's like I don't think it's meaningful. So so then so then that becomes a question of, all right, is Carl Anthony Towns bad at leading Andrew Wiggins, or is Andrew Wiggins not able to be led in that sort of way? And I think I'm at the point where it's the latter. Where, where I, I, I don't think they work together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I just think it's as impressive as the highs have been of Wiggins' season. Big picture, I just don't think. How could you look at what's happened over the last six years and think that big picture, this is it? I mean, I mean how you could, how you could is what Roses has, has said all along. Is, has, he hasn't been, I wasn't here before. They, they haven't been working in the right way, which is like not an empty argument. No, sure. But- Partially empty. Partially empty. And I just think my my bet, it's a bet, right? Yep. These are all bets. Yeah. My bet would be that, like, no, it's that's not going to that's not gonna work. Yeah. It what I mean, it's not gonna work if your goals are high. Yep, exactly. And and so I would I'm with you. I, I would be targeting making a move and, and putting a different group around Carl Anthony Towns that he can elevate as a leader. Yeah. Now maybe I mean maybe Towns will never be able to do that. Yeah. Maybe maybe it isn't just Wiggins. But but to me, if I'm in that front office and I'm thinking every single trade time, this deadline, the offseason, next deadline, making that change eventually, hitting it is important to do. Because, because no, I, for these next four years, you play out Andrew Wiggins' contract? No, nah, man. Like, and I, I mean, yeah. It's, it's not going to work. And I, <sighs> I don't think. That's my opinion. I, I just. Totally. And how, how, how quickly does it speed up Cat's? frustration or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that he's always had Andrew Wiggins' back, but God, do you really think he'd be sad if they traded him? No. No. No, I mean, on a basketball standpoint, no. Exactly. That's what I think. They're, I think like, they're, they're cool. They're, I mean, they've just been around each other yeah. for so long, but like in the business of it, like anyway, you, you make tough decisions. I mean, true like, serum, do you think Cat would like Wiggins to be traded? As, maybe that's just a dumb question. That's yeah. probably just a no, dumb No, no. I mean, if, if it brought back you know, something that he believed in more. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like who wouldn't, yeah. who wouldn't want, I mean, I, I think the, the same question can be asked more like meaningfully with Robert Covington. Cause I mean, I feel more confident saying like those guys are boys. Like, but then the true serum question for him is, you know, do I, would I be cool with Robert Covington being traded? And he would, uh, I think his answer would be, you know, if it brought back something that, made things meaningfully better. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't know if I trust with the reporting is right. I don't know if I trust Carl's judgment there because my opinion is if that's one to one like D'Angelo Russell, 
I don't know. I'm not sure that makes things better. Mm-hmm. And I think he might be clouded by the, oh, we're like the same age. We're buddy. You know, we want to like grow together. Two all-stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I think just at the end of the day, like things need to be shooken up. Exactly. And not, I'm not saying immediately. I'm not like get on the, the this deadline, whatever, just clear it out and start doing it again. No, I've said this a million times. It's 2021. That's the time. You got to have all the, the pieces in place to put together a damn good team in 2021. Gorgie's off the books. Crab will be long off the books. Covington will have one year left on his contract at 13 million. Wiggins will have two years at 65 million, which is still a lot, but like that's movable. Like you got to constantly be moving things around so that when that time comes and when Carl will have three years left on his deal, you're ready to roll. Mm -hmm. You're ready to have a team that I'm not saying you win the championship in 2020, anything like that, but 2021, but you have a team that says we're coming. Yeah. Like that, that is a must. Well, then you're hoping those next three years you go seventh seed, fifth seed, third seed. Maybe even better. Maybe even better. Maybe even better. Yeah. But that's probably the least you need to do. If, it's just weird because then it just it just like kills this whole now time this this year yeah. and the next year and a half or like or you know what I'm saying like till 2021 it's like what are we even doing and I don't even think about it as convincing Cat to resign I I've always operated under the assumption with how this new CBA works that you, you draft a guy like Cat a guy like you know any max level player you just kind of get seven eight years with them how many guys stick around after right. that it's just not likely if you get no everyone's to, so scared of him leaving you get them to sign that's that just what happens just gonna yeah that's just what happens you probably would too you've been somewhere <laughs> you didn't choose to go for eight years you make a lot of money but like you just kind of get those eight years so like let's make the most of them not so that he'll resign but just so that we can have some fucking fun already right and then and if it does work like and if you handle that perfect and he's into it. Then, yeah. And the team's good. And then maybe he does then come maybe back. He does. And then maybe, maybe he he's says, one of the few who comes back. The Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, he sees KG's jersey retirement when, <laughs> please, that happens. And he goes, I want to be that. Yeah. I want to be that. That place will be packed to the very tippy top. If you want to show these players that this fan base can mm-hmm. be cool, mm-hmm. get KG in that building to retire his jersey. That place will be wild. Mm-hmm. It will be. That's how you show these guys, like, look, be good. This place will come back. It's here. I mean, it, it's. I, and I know. I know. No. No. I'm. I, we've talked about this before. Like, and I. I never wanted to sound like we're ripping on the fan base. I, I hope that's like clear. Oh, we are the fan base. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I am. I'm understanding why they aren't coming. Why they aren't 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 buying tickets. That doesn't mean I don't think they're not smart basketball fans or or people who care about the team. That's why they're not buying tickets because they're smart basketball fans. I, I think so, and. It, it, if you build it, they, yeah. they will come, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. so, so that's why I think we get caught up in the 15 and 32, there are 10 wins less and now like catch and shoot and all this and that, like those, like those things matter and then they don't matter <laughs> because it's just about building the right thing by the right time. Yeah. And the, the reason they do matter is you got to get to that time. We got to, we got to get Carl there. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to, you got to get the fan base there. Yeah. But, um, that time is the time. It is a delicate, that is a delicate time because you, you nail that. Or you start over. And the starting over as it pertains to this team is a scare, is a, is a, I, I think that's just a dangerous thought. Yeah, it, it's it's dangerous not only because like it's hard and we've seen how hard it is, but it's dangerous because like it's dangerous because they might move. Do you really think so? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I'm not saying I think that for sure. I think that's definitely a possibility if everything goes. to I've crap. always wondered. I don't know. I've mean, got a lease at Target Center. They've got an owner that wants to keep. I, I genuinely don't know. We should I'm find saying, someone I'm saying smarter to talk about. We don't about know this. two years from now what, how all those variables move. Around. No, it's not. And even if, teams move, it, it's just like cat leaving. Like it's. It's a doomsday scenario, but bad things can happen. Yeah. I don't even think it needs to be that scary just because I don't know the facts of that and whether or not that's really possible. It's a pretty big market. Yep. Um, it's scary because we know how hard it is. It's scary because we know how long it takes. It's scary because we've been through it, what, four times in a row now unsuccessfully and just thinking about doing it again is frustrating for obvious reasons. For sure. There, there, there's just that part of it. That yeah. Like, remove all the... 
real fear. Just that. Yeah. yeah. It's like stink to do an Al Jefferson thing again. Yeah. Or, you know, right. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be, that would be messy. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of makes it, it makes it interesting in its importance. Yeah. You know? Yep. Urgency. And, and uh, it's, it's why I think that even if this is getting hard for people to watch, it's still an interesting team to monitor because like, I, I think it's fun to have a front office that's going to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me like, too. I, I think. I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna have no shortage of things to talk about every summer that they're in yeah. charge. We're gonna have no shortage of things to talk about pretty much every deadline because they believe that they are smarter than everyone else, and so by making moves, every one of those you know marginally improves yep. them. So move volume is a good thing for them, and that. I, I find that they believe fun. at least yeah. like we talked about before. We don't know that to be true yet, yeah. but you're saying they believe and the next week is going to be sure be interesting. It should be. It's just, it's unfortunate. I think kind of the logistics of the league where it, it seems hard that a lot of moves are going to be able to be made because of Kobe. No, 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 not just, just because of if we trust the reporting narrative oh, of like, oh, this isn't it. going to be an active trade deadline Yeah, because of the cap, all the cap, Issues and just no players, yeah. yeah, and players just not being available, yeah, given where they are at in their their contracts, you yeah. know, that just happens sometimes. Yeah. Speaking of the trade deadline, do you know? I have an Alan Crab update. Um, he his knee is too swollen for them to like. It needs the swelling needs to go down before they can assess it, but it's oh that makes sense. It's a left knee subluxation. Which I've come to understand means like a separation of the kneecap, which doesn't sound good, but I, I obviously not a doctor. <laughs> so it's going to depend on, you know, what they see once the uh, swelling goes down there. I just, my hope as somebody who wants to see him play and have a shooter on this team that I think will provide interesting data points yep. for the rest of the season. I, I hope he comes back, but I, I don't know if this is really out there yet. Like, I think there's a, chance that he's not back for like a while. Did they say when they thought the swelling could be down? That, yeah, no. Mean, they're just consi- you know, consistently, it's, it's consistently vague. Like, but uh, but I actually, I mean, for me, and we've talked about this before too, like I think in part it's on, you know, the reporters to to not let it go 10 games of day to day. Yeah. And I think you look at myself, I'm there. I'm in the scrums. I can ask. Yeah. And I will... You know, that's our job. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm going to with, you know, with, with Alan Crabb or any other injuries, you know, try and, yeah. you know, dig, dig through that a little bit more. It's as, as we've talked about before, it's a delicate sort of balance of like, you don't want to scrape, but like yeah, you want to totally. prod a little bit. I think everybody gets that. Yeah. So. Um, it is interesting speaking of doomsday scenarios and <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, you know, things that we were talking about, like moving up for Garland and all that stuff where you can have a plan and it can be impacted either by something you should have seen coming or couldn't have seen coming. And Alan Crabb being injured makes me wonder whether they had any intention of trading him again and now wouldn't be able to if he is seriously injured. Well, rule-wise, he could only be traded... Alone. Alone. Yeah. Which... Which would have been unlikely. Yeah. My understanding was that what Rosa said about, you know, wanting to see him yeah. for half a season within this system next to Covington, Wiggins, and Towns. They wanted to see that, and then they had his bird rights, which meant, I mean, they're going to be an over-the-cap team yeah. this year, so having bird rights on players is helps. That's yeah. a way that they could get Allen Crabb. If they, didn't, if they didn't trade for Allen Crabb in the middle of the season, then they have one avenue to sign him this offseason if they were to want him, and that's the mid-level exception. Now... They could resign him and use the mid-level exception on somebody else. Yep. So, my my understanding was they were interested in that. Then, I mean, I've you know done some looking around at like other players who make eighteen, nineteen million dollars. Yeah. Where they could have traded him like straight up for that guy. It, there's not a lot out there. So yeah. I, I think that makes I think sense. that they wanted to have him for the rest of the year and they wanted his bird rights. And Teague didn't fit the system, so they wanted to move on from Teague. Sure. I think it's I think it's pretty much just that cut and dry. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's, um, that's good. Yeah, so next Thursday will be the trade deadline. Like I said, I think we'll get something from Bubble 2, 
yep. which is the least sexy, but something. I, but yeah, you know, and we need I, something, man. Yeah, like you know, what, one, one player I'm going to look at just this week. I'm trying. I watched, but that was part of my reason for watching the Grizzlies Nuggets game. Is you know, this is all guessing, but like Malik Beasley yeah. seems like somebody. I would guess that's more like higher end. Of like the most, that's like the most intriguing player they oh, could that'd get. Be so fun, <laughs> yeah. I, but but th- those sort of things are or lesser things like mm-hmm. you know Dennis Smith, mm-hmm. um, you know, no something like that. And and if that happens, then we got 30, 35 games of of that player. And I don't know that that's that that's always sound been, cool, but that's like the, that is like a cool Timberwolves. Thing. Yeah, it's always <laughs> been a reason for me to you know like reinvigorate totally. <laughs> Ooh, the All-Stars are being named right now. I don't think that... Uh, Let's save it. Yeah, I don't think that, that Carl's <laughs> going to make it other way. But yeah, so I would anticipate something along those lines happening. Beasley kind of being the ceiling and then a much lower list yeah. of quote-unquote combo guards that could you know come in and take away you know some of the McLaughlin minutes or you know some of Napier's minutes just to... Add another lead guard to, yeah. to the mix. I think that particularly if Crab's going to miss a lot of time, they could play those guys alongside each other. That's my bet for yeah. for what this this deadline looks like. But but you know, I I believe with narratives like sometimes when we're like, oh, there's not going to be a lot of movement at the deadline. It doesn't like we start creating narratives that we then define as facts. Yeah, and I don't know like. I, I don't. I think it's just a narrative. Like I think, I think a lot of movement could happen at the deadline. It just could because yeah. it's not known. It's just like this draft. Everyone's like, "Oh, this draft sucks." No, that's a narrative. It's not a fact. Like people, there's people research to do it, but we know that the draft is inherently ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So it's not a fact that this next draft is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. There, within it, almost guaranteed, there will be all stars who are drafted in the yep. lottery, even if it's a lower end draft. So I'm always. I, I don't know. I think particularly now in like the social media age where we're just like, oh, no, this is going to be a quiet deadline. Oh, this is going to be a bad draft. It's like, well, everyone's a reporter. Yeah. You know, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. None of that. None of that is known. And it would be fun. I mean, even outside of the Timberwolves realm to just see, you know, a bunch of movement that that's yeah. part of what makes the NBA interesting. And that wouldn't it make sense with so many teams like in contention for mm-hmm. for like a high playoff spot or even a championship? Like why? Why would that not lead to movement at the deadline? Yeah. I just, I don't. It will, I mean, certainly you'd think it will lead to a lot of conversations. There could be the challenges of cap space and players on multi-year contracts. overrated. And maybe it is, but. Just why, like, why wouldn't a team go out and, like, get Jay Crowder? Why wouldn't a team, uh, you know, if Mo Harkless, they're trying to move it around. I mean, like, Trevor Rees, all these different things. Like, why wouldn't there be a lot of those marginal moves at least happen? Yeah. No, I agree. Some of it is like, why would the Grizzlies give up Jay Crowder for sure. anything that's not like a first? Like, would you give him up for a second pick? Maybe. Yeah, but Probably. that's the thing is we got to, you know, you see, you see yeah. what the the market ends up being. I, I don't know. I Maybe it's just wishful thinking speaking into existence. I think something well, is, is going to happen. It's just, it's, it's happened all these past deadlines. Like, it also, the offseason, they've been interesting. And the, the, the Teague, the Teague, um, Crab move made it seem like more was to come. And my understanding, quote, reporting is that it is. Yeah. That's what I've, you know, been been told that that's the plan, but that it takes other teams to tango. Sure. Know? So that's what leads me to say the market will dictate what the Timberwolves will do. The market will dictate what the other 29 teams in the league do outside of the Timberwolves. I just am wary that this narrative that it's a super tight market hasn't mm-hmm. been a little bit overblown. So that's my opinion. Yeah, there's probably some group think there. We'll come back Thursday right up. So the deadline's like 3 o'clock. We'll record at like yeah. 5. Perfect. So we'll be... Maybe we can try to do we'll, it a little earlier. Yeah, sure. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll detail the DeAndre Russell acquisition. <laughs> 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 whatever happens, we'll talk about Justin Bailey will be so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's we'll, our, one of our producers. Exactly. <laughs> um... Yeah, so so we'll be back next Thursday. I'll be back on Monday. I'm not sure exactly what we'll do there. Maybe that'll be a little bit more trade deadline. I'm just like, I don't feel like we could have like a full podcast of let's go through every single player who they could possibly save that for the off season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think so. So uh, we'll do that. We got the Wolves, uh, Clippers on Saturday, then Kings on Monday. Um, the games roll on. 
Hopefully the losses stop. Uh, either way, we'll be here to talk about it. That's Charlie at C. John's MBA. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until next time, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.